You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Uh, I'm excited to, to finish off this, this series called Mindset. We've been uh, three weeks. Last week we had uh, our small group director uh, give the message, but um, we spent three weeks in uh, the passage of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, and we're looking at mindsets. Within this one verse, the apostle Peter, he he gives us different mindsets, and today we're gonna, it's all going to come to a close, and, and we're going to really uh, see why he had given us this, the first half of the verse, and it's, it'll make more sense as we jump in. Um, but for those of you that this is your first week here, um, we are looking at a letter written by a man named Peter. Now, this is good news for me, so I'm sure this is good news for you. Uh, Peter, he was... Uh, this is the Apostle Peter. This is the Peter that denied Jesus three times. Uh, this is the Peter that had anger issues, so he sliced off someone's ear. Uh, this is the same Peter that when Jesus said, hey, it's me, Peter's like, prove it. So I read that, and I'm excited because if God could use someone like Peter, he can use someone like me. Come on, somebody. And so, uh, so here's this guy, Peter. He's... Uh, he's a messed up fella, and yet God still manages to use Peter. And, and Peter, he's writing this letter, First Peter, uh, he's writing this letter to a group of Christians in the Rome uh, province of Asia, which is now modern-day Turkey, and he's writing it to a specific group of people, a specific group of Christians. He, he's writing to uh, the Gentiles. Now, during this time period, there are basically two groups of people. There were the Jews, and then there were everyone else. Everyone else, they were uh, titled under Gentile. And so, uh, also during this time period, uh, the, uh, the Jews believe that God of the Bible is specifically for them. However, Jesus came, and he's like, no, I'm not just for them. I'm for everyone. The Jews and the Gentiles. And so what I love about this is that Peter, he, he's very specific. And most scholars believe that the, the Christian group that Peter was writing to was, in fact, not just Jews, but Christian Gentiles. And so that's encouraging because what he's about to write, what we're about to read, it applies to everyone. To everyone who was a believer in Christ Jesus. And so here it is. We're going to pick up 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And he says this, but you are a chosen people. So he's talking to the believers. He said, you are a royal priesthood. Now, that was week one. We talked about this idea that you and I were royalty. In Christ Jesus, we're royalty. And in our royalty, we got authority. Come on. There's authority that we have access to. Like, authority is in our bloodline. And we gotta, we got to wake up and we got to grab hold of the authority that we have. So that was week one. It's on our website uh, or our YouTube channel if, if you hadn't listened to that one. And then Peter continues. He says this. You are a holy nation, God's special possession. And so that was week two. We looked at two mindsets that week. We looked at the fact that we're called to be different and that we're called to be different because we're valuable. God values us, and, and whenever, there, whenever you have something that is of high value, you treat it differently, don't you? When you pay 300 for a pair of Jordans, like, you, you don't run in mud. You put them up shelf, top shelf. And so this idea that in Christ Jesus, 
You and I were valuable, and because we're valuable, God has called us to be different, to live different, to think different, to act different. And then he concludes with this, and this is the portion that we're going to be talking about today, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This morning, for all you note takers out there, I want to talk to you from the subject, tipping the scale. Tipping the scale. And when a preacher doesn't preach a week prior, there's just a lot of energy. So if this is your first time here, come back next week when I'm a little more calm. And uh, <laughs> let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come here and to worship you, God. Father, we don't take it lightly or we don't take it for granted, Father, that uh, that we, we get this privilege to be in your house, God. Father, that we get this privilege to be your chosen people. And so, Father, right now I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, you know what each person in this room is going through. God, you know what each person in this room needs to hear. And so, Holy Spirit, right now I just pray that you would use me, speak through me. God, we thank you that your word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, God, right now, would you just pierce the darkness? God, anything in our lives that may be distracting us from what you have, God, we thank you. God, we bless you. We honor you. God, we don't want to leave here the same way that we came. We want to leave different. God, we don't have an hour of our time to waste. God, let us leave differently. Change us. God, not for our own benefit, but so we can change our world. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of y'all liked P.E. back in the day? <laughs> really? Woo, man, I grew up in an era, in an era, what? I grew up in an era, like, I'm 33, what era is that? Um, I grew up going to school, middle school, um, in fact, where no one liked P.E. Except for me. And probably the only reason why I liked PE was because I was not good at any other subject in school. And I would always get kicked out of class and sent in the hallway. And so I just figured, like, I might as well just hang out playing basketball or kicking the ball around or something, you know. Um, and so, so I grew up um, in, in, so I went to middle school. And no one in my class liked PE. The girls didn't like PE because their, their gym uniform was, like, all baggy. Right? And they're like, ugh, so, uh. Right? Like, that was them. <laughs> it's not flattering, right? Like, um, and then so that was the girls. And then the guys, they didn't, like to, they didn't like to do PE because they got all sweaty. And the girls didn't like sweaty dudes. Does that change? <laughs> the, the girls didn't like sweaty guys. And so, like, the guys were like, I'm here for the girl. And so if the girl didn't like to sweat, I'm not going to sweat. And, and so, like, no one liked PE except for me. And I remember, and, and I'm sure everyone here, you've had like a very, um, there was something in PE that you liked the most. My favorite thing that we ever did in PE was it was a combination of freeze tag and capture the flag. And now I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but I'm going to describe what this game is for those of you that are not familiar with it. Capture the flag. You have, uh, you're on this, this soccer field, and on one end you have a flag. On the other end you have a flag. And you have two teams. The, the teacher, she splits up the, the teams, 
And so one team, the goal is to grab the flag and to bring it back while preventing the other team from capturing the flag. And so if you see someone with the flag, you simply just touch him and they got to freeze. Okay? <laughs> Praise God. And, <laughs> and, and, so, and so, so they got to freeze. And then your teammate of the person that's frozen, you have the ability to go up to them and tag them and unfreeze them. And they could jump back in the game. Are you with me so far? So I remember this one time uh, we were playing my favorite game, Capture the Flag slash Freeze Tag. And um, it was just, it was one of those epic battles, you know. And I was getting into character mentally. Physically, I wasn't there, my God. It was, and, and, and so here, here we are. We're, we're, we're playing freeze tag, capture the flag. And my team, the, the, the teacher blows the whistle, and we're off. We're running to go capture the flag. And before I know it, the, the, my, my team, the, the, they're, fr- they're getting froze. They're getting tagged, and, and they're freezing in the spot. And I'm like, my God, what's going on? And then I started looking around, and I was like, it was just me and two other people that were, that were frozen. And, and, I, and I was like, we can do, like, I'm trying to, like, braveheart it. Freedom! Like, you know, like, it's, <laughs> that was weak. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to, to do, and then all of a sudden, I'm not paying attention. I got tagged. And here I am, I'm froze. And for those of you that have ever played freeze tag, you know that when you're froze, you don't just stand there, right? You're like, help me! Tag me! Okay, right? Like, that's what you do. And so here I am, like, I'm like, ah! and someone tags me, and I'm like, yes! And so I go, and I'm, and I'm trying to capture the flag, and then before I know it, guys, believe this or not, believe it or not, my team is frozen. And all of a sudden, something rises up inside of me. Dare I say, first time I felt like a man. There was, well, that was pathetic. <laughs> I don't like dogs, so. <laughs> so here I am, I'm, 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 I realize everyone is frozen and I have one of two options. I can either try to do this by myself or I can go around and try to untag people and freeze them so that they can join me. In this journey, and I realized because I'm not the fastest, I'm not the smartest, I'm not the most in shape. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I got asthma. Hey, <laughs> I cramp up. He's, you know, you get my point. <laughs> I was like, I need to get these people involved, and so rather than me pursuing the flag, I went to my teams that were like, help me. I was like, hey, hey. You're unfrozen. Help me. Help me. And then, and then I take, and so like before we know it, we're like we're untagging and freezing everyone. We run and we capture the flag. We make like this wall so that no one can take the person holding the wall. And we're running and then we cross our goal and we make the point. Come on. And I was thinking about this. See, I'm, I always go somewhere. I don't just tell you a story for nothing. <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the moment when I was tagging the people. And, and when I was like, hey, you're unfrozen. Now, now it's your turn. Come help me. 
I was thinking about that moment and how similar it is to what I believe the heartbeat behind the verse of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 is. Let me explain. See, the first half of this verse, the first half of, of, of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter, he, he's like giving us the perks of a believer. He's like, hey, you got authority. Woo! You're called to be different. Woo! He, he said, you're valuable. Woo! But what's interesting is that if you read the entire uh, verse 9, Peter, he's not listing these things in the front half of the verse specifically for our benefit. He's listing these things that you have authority, that, that you're called to be different, that, that you have value. He's listing these things, and then he gets to the second half of that verse, and he says, so that you can declare the praise of him who has pulled you out of darkness, i.e. tagged you, unfroze you, pulled you out of darkness into the light. This is amazing because Peter, he, he's saying the reason why you have authority, the reason why you uh, are called to be different, the reason why God wants you to understand that you are so valuable is not for your own benefit, but so that you can walk in confidence knowing that what he's called you to do, you can do. Come on, somebody. He said, so that you can declare the praise of him, him being Jesus, who called you, pulled you out of darkness and into light. See, this morning, what I want you to understand, and here's the big idea, is I want you to understand that you are God's rescue plan. You are God's rescue plan. For those of you in here who have, who have, um, who have are a believer and have made a decision to follow Christ, guess what? The moment that you said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, was the moment he came and he tagged you. And he said, you're unfrozen, now go and help me do that to others. It's your turn now. You are God's rescue plan. I'm God's rescue plan. There's no plan B. He put all of his stock into the local church, into the body of Christ. And he said, hey, you are my rescue plan. You're God's rescue plan. Sir, you're God's rescue plan. Ma'am, you're God's rescue plan. We're his rescue plan. That's it. That's it. We're God's rescue plan. I love how Peter, he's just, he's, he's just so like, I just love how he's, he's telling us, man, it's not about us. That's why when I pray, God, that we would leave change, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. Because I want us to understand and to grasp and take hold of this idea that we have these benefits as a believer, not just for us to hold but so that we can make a difference. 
Come on, t- turn to your neighbor and tell him you're God's rescue plan. <laughs> Come on, turn to your second choice. You're God's rescue plan, even though I chose you second. <laughs> you're God's rescue plan. <clears throat> I love it because Peter, he's wanting to get this message across that there, inside of you, there's a story of redemption. There is a story of redemption deep within your, your life. There's a story that, that of, of Jesus pulling you out of something. Maybe he's still pulling you out of something. Come on, somebody. But there's a story of redemption that's inside of you that he wants to use to help set someone else free. Come on, dare I say, whatever you're going through today, it's not for no reason. He's writing your story. He's writing your test. Come on. You are God's rescue plan. God wants to use you as a conduit to flow from what he has. And he wants to use you to bring it to someone else, to pass it along. You're his rescue plan. Now, the startling revelation of of being this rescue plan, it really hinges around this idea that you and I, we're his rescue plan, but we got to embrace it. See, I've come to the realization that we can either embrace it or we could try to escape it. There's really two things. And and in fact, that this, this is an ongoing thing, like this idea of like, do I want to embrace this idea that I'm, I'm called to tag someone and I'm freeze them? In fact, Jesus, like, I feel like they were struggling with this very same idea of, of Jesus really trying to encourage people, saying, hey, here is rescue plan. Because watch this in Matthew chapter 9. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus says this. It's a very famous verse. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. My God. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, there's good and there's bad in this verse. Here's the good part. Is that Jesus said that the harvest is plenty. So it's encouraging to know that in an era that we live in today where we are post-Christian, where where people um, are, are further away from God than ever before, further away from faith, further away from religion, in fact, we have a generation that, that is called a uh, generation of nuns. When, when, they, when, when, when they're asked, hey, are you affiliated with Christian or not? They're like, none. And that's the biggest population. It's growing. And so what I love and what's encouraging is that even in this culture, even in this era that we live in, Jesus said the harvest is plenty. Which means that despite what culture is saying, that there are people around us who are still willing and wanting, their hearts are ready to hear the good news of Jesus and of how he wants to draw them out of darkness and into, no one likes to be in dark. No one likes to be in the dark. And what's encouraging is this idea that Jesus said the harvest is plenty. See, we didn't start a church because the harvest was few. 
We started a church because we knew that in Sonoma County, 3.7% of people attend a church. 3.7%. Come on, the harvest is plenty. The harvest, even in Sonoma County, the harvest is plenty. And that encourages me. But then he gets to this other spot where, where the harvest is plenty. But then he says, but the workers are few. He's like, good news, bad news. The workers are few. And this is startling to me because it's not the fact, I believe it's not the fact that people haven't experienced Jesus, but I believe that it's the fact, the issue is, that when we discover Christ, rather than jumping in the game and making a difference, we go to the sideline and sit down. And we say, someone else is faster than me. They can take care of it. Someone else is more agile than me. They can take care of it. See, we don't use those words. We use words like this. I'm still struggling with my own thing. God's still working on my heart. There's still things that, that God, that I'm still struggling with that, that I gotta first work out before God can use me. And what that does is rather than getting us in this game of freeze tag, of telling someone like, hey, it pulls us to the sideline and we're sitting down while there's a field, a harvest that is ready, ready to be Plucked, whatever the heck you do with harvest, like pool or shimmy, I don't know. But it's ready. It's ready. And so I really believe when I was putting this message together, I really, I felt like God was giving me like this visual of like a teeter-totter, a seesaw. And I felt like he's like, this is the, this is the local church, not, not just discovery, but the local church in whole. That we're, that we're teetering between wanting to jump in the game and understanding how much work it's going to take. And we're balancing and we're trying to figure out, do I want to get involved? Do I just want to sit this one out? And so this morning in our last couple moments together, I don't even have a clock, so I don't even know what time it is. I'm going to call popcorn. <laughs> Y'all remember Popcorn. See, I'm not as young as you guys thought. <laughs> Pacific Standard Time is. <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> Come on, Apple, put them out of business, huh? <laughs> Smartphones. <laughs> Jump back on track, Joan. Where you at? So this morning, what I want to do in the last moments that we have together, I want to give you three mindsets that I believe will help you tip the scale. Hopefully tipping the scale to the side of where you're like, hey, I want to jump in. I want to, I want to help out. I want, I want to do my part. I want to tag someone. I want to freeze them. I need them to know. I need them to know. And so here we go. Um, this will be really quick. And the first one is mindset number one, don't plug the pipe. Don't plug the pipe. Don't plug the pipe. 
So in this game that we're playing at Freeze Tag, the story that we started with, believe it or not, we had people on my team who were like, help me, tag me. And I'm like, yeah. And I tag you and I'm like, come on, let's go free other people. And they're like, I hate this game. <laughs> they're like, I'm done. Ah. <laughs> and then, and they left in the middle of the game. And they're walking off and I'm like, hey, I just, I just untagged you. Like, come on, help me. Don't plug the pipe. Here's what I mean by that. Somewhere in your lifetime, there was someone who'd come up to you and told you about their story, told you about this man named Jesus, and it did something in your life because you're here today. And they tagged you. They said, you're in Frozen. Now do the same. And you've experienced this freedom because someone came into your life and someone told you about Jesus. Someone invited you to church. Someone said, hey, come check this out. And you're here because they chose to stay in the game. And I can almost guarantee you that the reason why that they were able to take someone was because someone came in their life and told them about this man named Jesus. Told you about how he loves the local church. Told, you how, told them how he loves, how God loves the body of Christ. And they were tagged. See, it's a chain reaction. What I'm trying to tell you is don't plug the pipe. Don't be that piece of cookie in the cookie milkshake straw that jams up the whole experience. God wants to get something through to the people around you. But he can't if you choose to sit down and sit it out. Don't plug the pipe. Don't plug the pipe. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. Number two. I love this one. Don't react to rejection. Don't react to rejection. I think the biggest reason, at least in my life, if I was completely honest, the biggest reason why I hesitate to step out and to invite someone to church or tell them my story of how Jesus pulled me out of darkness into light, if, if there is one reason that is constant in my life, it's because I fear rejection. It's because I fear the fact someone's going to laugh at me and say, you believe that? 
someone look it's this idea of rejection of 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 of, of the fear of, of being rejected of someone say man that's, you're wasting you're wasting your time me inviting someone to church and they're like no nah, i got better things to do than go to church and i think if there was ever anything that would would hold us back it's this fear of rejection but this morning, if I could encourage you, uh, that this idea that, of rejection, that, that you, you're not alone. You don't have to react to rejection. See, I believe we don't react to rejection. We respond to rejection. We respond to rejection. And here's the good news about rejection is that you are actually in good company. Because believe it or not, Jesus himself was rejected. And if Jesus was rejected, I'm going to be rejected. And if Jesus was fine with being rejected, so should I. I love what the psalmist writes in, in Psalms chapter 118. He says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So he's talking about the stone. The stone is Jesus. That the stone that people rejected that were like, nah, this is not going to work out. That kind of tossed them to the side. Well, jokes on them because that stone is now the centerpiece to our faith. And what I need you to understand is miracles can happen. God can move when you choose to stick it out in your time of being rejected. We don't react to rejection, we respond to rejection. And we respond by saying, man, that stunk. I hated being embarrassed. I hated the fact that they told me no, but I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on inviting. I'm going to keep on bringing people, telling people, letting them know that there's a God who loves me so much. That he was willing to pull me out of darkness into the light, even in my worst state. That's the Jesus that we serve. And he was not fearful of rejection. He embraced it. Don't react to rejection. Don't react to rejection. And then the final one. Number three is this. Don't forget forever. Don't forget forever. Don't forget forever. For those of you guys that, are, that love football, the draft just happened. And uh, there was a quarterback who, who most prospects thought that he was going to be the number one draft pick of all. He was a quarterback. And, uh, and, and so this guy, he was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. And then what, what the crazy part is the night before the draft, someone had leaked out some tweets that he had tweeted out, Twitter, for those of you that are like, what's a tweet? Like, Twitter, when he was 14 years old, he, he, tweet, he, tweeted, he tweeted some lyrics to songs that had race, racism in it, and, and he tweeted some, song, um, some movie quotes that were derogatory. And someone had leaked these tweets out the night before. The night before. Think how crazy that is. The night before. And so here it is. Here's this guy. Um, he, the draft day comes. And, and uh, 
people are like, hey, like what happened? And he had to go on like, the, the, they said that the, the day, the morning before the draft night, like he was calling coaches and he was calling um, general managers, letting, him, letting them know, like trying to explain what had happened. And I remember that there was this, there was this article or this, this recording that I heard, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure you can Google it and find it. But he said something like this. He said, if I knew that what I tweeted would haunt me in the future, I wouldn't have done it now. And it's just this idea of him, basically he was saying, man, I just wasn't thinking about forever. I was thinking about now. And I think that is the problem that you and myself get into is that we forget that there's a forever. We get so locked up, so so focused on the here, the now, the what can I get for me? How can I build my family? How can I build a legacy? How can I leave a legacy? How can I make it so my husband loves me, so my wife? And we're focused on right now, which is good. But you can't forget forever. You can't forget that at the end of the day, that there is something more after here. And I think that if we live with the mindset of not forgetting forever, there'll be an urgency in our hearts and in our spirits to want to do something, want to make a difference. See, because I think that there's a lack of urgency regarding eternity, a lack of urgency with eternity and here's the thing and I'm closing if the devil the enemy can get you to think or can get you to forget that there is forever he's one if he can get us to forget that there is a forever he wins because everything in life, everything in life, it boils down to the words of Peter so that we can declare the praise of him who drew us out of darkness and into the light. That's our purpose. There is no greater purpose in life than to be in the person to take and saying, hey, help me out. You're it. Help me. Let's go. When my wife and I, when we planning on starting this church, we, um, the organization that was training us, they said, they said this, and this has stuck with me since the very beginning. It's sticking with me now, hopefully until I go to the grave. He said, they said that the reason you are starting a church is because heaven and hell are real. The reason Jesus tagged us is because heaven and hell are real. And friends, you have the key to tag someone and unfreeze them. My question to you this morning is will you embrace it Will you try to escape it? We need you. 
The harvest is plenty, the labors are few. And I do want to say this, and, and, I'm, and I'm done. I love what John writes in Revelation chapter 12. And this is what Peter is saying about declaring the praise of someone that, declaring the praise of him who drew you out of darkness into light. He's saying this, what Revelation chapter 12 says, and I believe it's verse 11. He said, they overcame the enemy, the devil, by the blood of the lamb. Come on, that's Jesus, what he did for us on the cross. But not just with the blood of the lamb, although it, it was enough, it was more than enough. But God was like, I want you involved too. And he said, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And I want to end with the same way that I started. Whatever you're going through right now, hold on. Hold on. He wants to use your story. He wants to use what you're going through because your story, your testimony, the test that you're going through right now, you can use it for someone else who's going through the same exact thing. Don't ever despise your brokenness. Don't ever despise what God has brought you out of, what he's bringing you through. Because he wants to use it. He wants to use it because there's someone, someone around you that's going through the same exact thing. And he's called you to declare his praise of him. Come on. Who drew you out of darkness and into light. Amen, somebody? Come on, let's give God a hand clap. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.